This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome everyone to the Liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host, David Cumberford, and I'm joined as ever by Matt Addison, the Liverpool.com editor. And we spent the past few weeks looking at Liverpool's midfielders. Obviously, that's the, the main focus for the club this summer. But now we're going to move on to some of the more intriguing questions around Liverpool's defensive ranks this year as well, because there could definitely be some activity there in the transfer market too. And we're going to start with with one of the most interesting, I think, in Andy Robertson. And as we've done throughout our deep dives, Matt, I want to start by looking at this season for Robertson and how we can sort of reflect on it for him. I mean, what did you make of, of how he performed? Because for me, Robertson is, and I can't really put my finger on why, one of the most difficult players to assess within the Liverpool squad. It feels really for a few years now that he's simply just been decent, almost relative to his the heights he can hit. I mean, if we look at sort of the headline numbers, which as I've heard Liverpool fullback are assists, he managed to get 11 last season, which put him second to Mo Salah in the Liverpool ranks. And is broadly in line, really, with what he got in the Champions League uh, season of 18-19 uh, when he got 13. And then a year later when Liverpool won the title, he got 12. So his numbers, certainly in attack and sense, are very good. But, but how did you sort of evaluate it as a whole? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't a spectacular season. Like you say, he's had... He's had better seasons. He's had seasons where the numbers maybe have caught the eye and the assists have been higher. And there's been, you know, periods where it's been him and Trent going head to head for, you know, who's got the most assists in a season. And obviously we know the, the reasons why Liverpool were not as, as good last season and, and why those conversations weren't taking place. There were other kind of emergency operations taking place across the rest of, of the team. So I think he, he had a good season. I think you almost don't want to damn him with faint praise, but I just think I don't know quite how Liverpool would improve upon him. Even if you decided that he wasn't at his best, maybe he started to to decline. Maybe he needs a bit more competition or, or whatever it might be. Or, you know, even, you know, the, as we'll come to, there has been talk that maybe Liverpool could look to maybe move him out and, and bring in a slightly different defender to play on that side because of, of the new system. I just don't know quite how you would do that. I, I can't name too many left-sided defenders or, or left-backs or, or wing-backs or however you want to kind of determine that position. I don't really see that there's too many players out there who are at his level or, or above his level. You, you only have to look at, you know, Manchester City haven't really had a, a solid left-back for a long time, despite spending a lot of money. Arsenal have got Zinchenko, but he's kind of doing the, the trend thing of, of moving inside. There's there's just not a huge amount of, of left-backs out there that I would look at and go, maybe there's a case for, for going and getting X, Y or Z. I think you'd have to quite drastically change the way that Liverpool have, have played and, and set up. And I just don't think that that is something that they would ever think about. I think he can get better, he can improve. And, and next season, you'd imagine that you know with a, a better functioning team around him, the number of assists, for example, will go up and you know his effectiveness will improve. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy with him. I think he's still got a number of years left. And I think he's almost one of those players that's just been there long enough that I think some people maybe just take him for granted a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you, you ask about whether Liverpool can improve. Funnily enough, on, on the morning stream uh, this morning, we, we were talking about this because we, we were looking at the, all the rumours around um, Kyle Walker and, and how Liverpool could sort of reconfigure their defence and, and what that would mean for... Robertson and and really 
there isn't a left back in the world that I think most of the Liverpool fans would swap Robertson for. I think most most of us would, would make the case that he is the very best in his position. I mean, when you look at Trent Alexander-Arnold, there is sort of that, I suppose, for, for all the gifts that he has, there is that big question mark there on the defensive side. Robertson maybe isn't his biggest strength, but he's, you know, he's probably um, a level above Trent in that regard. So he is quite sort of well-rounded. I mean, it's interesting there that you mentioned sort of the amount of years he has left it. It's his age has almost snuck up on him a bit. I feel like you know he's twenty nine now, so he's um he is sort of approaching the window where we've seen some Liverpool players maybe drop off a little bit, but hopefully he can kind of obviously maintain his current level. Um, but let's get into the crux of it really, which is his sort of position in the new system. I mean, we spoke about this a little bit when we in the first podcast we did, I think, which was about sort of the winners and losers of uh, of Trent moving into midfield, and Robertson was picked out as a potential loser. Um, of the system. So I want to just read some stats to you, Matt, um, because some of them are sort of contrary, I suppose, to expectations to the narrative. <laughs> so if you look at um, where Robertson is basically getting on the ball, um, he's touching the ball more in the defensive third. Sorry, he's, yeah, he's touching the ball um, less in the defensive third, actually, since the system change. Um, 24.3 touches per 90. Um, beforehand, 23.6 after. And he's actually touching it more in the attacking third as well. Um, 25.1 before to, compared to 26 after. Naturally, you would think that if he's playing as sort of a left-sided centre-back in some sort of situations, that he'd be sort of occupying more of the sort of defensive areas, not the, not the offensive ones. But then the one that really sort of stands out to me is um, the crosses. And obviously, that's what we associate most with Robertson, those sort of open play crosses, his source of specialty, you would say. So before Liverpool changed system, he, he completed 29 crosses into the opposition box. And in I think it was, I think he appeared in all but one game in, in the sort of 10 matches where Liverpool used the system. He only actually completed two. Um, and, and that's obviously sort of a, a concern in terms of, is he going to be um, underutilised, I suppose. So I suppose the question is, what do you think of Robertson's fit in this system? And do you think the issues in terms of this idea that he's not going to be able to cope in a role where he gets to, well, in theory, go forward less, does that say difference? And maybe does have to defend a little bit more. Has the sort of Robertson crisis, um, if you like, been a little bit overblown? Uh, yes, definitely in terms of, of that question. I think part of the numbers possibly might be explained by the fact that Liverpool as a team were much better with the new system. Yeah. So they've probably got the ball more, they're probably in more control. There's certain opportunities maybe to get forward that, that weren't there earlier in the season when they weren't in so much of a, a dominant kind of state. But I don't necessarily think that this system will completely disappear next season, but I don't think it will necessarily be exactly how it was. I think there's definitely a strong case for Trent taking up more central positions. The way that I would do that is to keep him in this kind of hybrid role. I'm, I'm not necessarily a fan of him um, becoming a midfielder. We've seen it obviously for England against very mm -hmm. poor opposition. I'm not I'm not convinced that that's the method for, for a number of reasons, really. One of the, the biggest ones for me is that if you put him into midfield, it's one less person for him to pass to in front of him. You know, he, he needs that space and, and that time. And I think that's the, the sort of way that you get the best out of, of him. So I don't think that that necessarily will change. But we don't know quite 
the makeup of the midfield. We don't know quite where Alexis McAllister is going to fit in. And you know, it might just be me being um, a little bit sort of in a, a dream scenario type thing, or maybe just kind of very, very blue sky thinking in terms of, of the way that Liverpool set up. But I like the idea of as many players can get forward and, and be on the attack as possible. Now, maybe it's not possible that you can just leave Van Dijk, Canate and Fabinho back in a kind of three and push the fullbacks on, do all of the things with Trent and also have a bit of Robertson doing what he did at his best. Maybe that's not possible. Um, maybe it is if, if Van Dijk and, and Fabinho are at the peak and you know you can kind of trust those on, on the counter-attack to, to do the job of, of more than one player. But I think it, this new system doesn't have to be the end of, of Robertson doing that kind of role is basically what I'm trying to say. I think you can take elements of, of that. You can take elements of, of the other bits that he used to do. I don't see a reason why against certain opposition, maybe you change it and, and maybe against Manchester City away, you're not bombing forward and, and throwing players forward in the same way. But I think for the majority of matches that Liverpool play, there's no real reason why they can't do that. And the fact that it looks like Costa Simicas is going to stay as well. They've got two left backs very much in the same role, in the same mould, I should say. It would seem strange to me that they would move away from that role, that being the case. It seems like you know, that there is going to be some sort of you know, pre-season plan of this is how we're going to continue playing. And it's got to play into the hands of, of both of those players because they're both presumably going to get plenty of, of minutes next season. So I can kind of see... A little bit of both with it. I certainly think Robertson will still be there, and it will still be, you know, a huge part of, uh, of the next phase, if you like. But yeah, in terms of, of his role, it, it has definitely been overblown in terms of, of the way that it might look for him, or you know, it, it might not sort of perfectly suit him. I think there's there's more to come from this evolution. There's there's another evolution again when Liverpool have got the players in that they want this summer and. You know, Jurgen Klopp's got a full squad and a full team to be able to, to choose from and, and work on those ideas. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is worth sort of stressing, I suppose, that it is sort of um, the first draft of this kind of system. And we might well see something um, adjusted um, sort of come the start of next season. I mean, a few points to me based on what you said there, Matt. I mean, the Simicast one, I think, is really interesting. I mean, in a way that that might tell us a little bit, that might be a bit of a hint about the system because if Liverpool were looking to maybe move away from the kind of left-back model that we've seen, does that mean that you sort of sell Simicast, bring in someone more defensive? We'll talk about a name who's been linked who might still fit that more defensive a little bit later. Um in terms of the positions Robertson gets to occupy at the moment, I do wonder if he's going to sort of have to be more of like a deep-lying playmaker in a way, whether he's, I mean, we're looking at sort of touches in the attack and third there, but is he still going to have maybe, if the system does stay the same, would he still have that license to really kind of drive right to the byline, for example, or is that leaving Liverpool, you know, a little bit too exposed? How do you sort of have the cover behind it? I think um, he might have to try and impact the game from different areas and, you know, as a 29-year-old player, sometimes you wonder whether you can sort of fundamentally make any changes to, to someone's game. Um, and just thinking about, you know, the narrative itself, I mean, if we look at the games individually, the only one you could sort of look at and people might point to and say, hang on, is Robertson going to be able to sort of 
playing this role where he's a, a left-sided centre-back um, in some phases. Is is that game against Spurs? Um, I think he made a couple of mistakes in that one. Um, I don't know if one of them led to a goal. There was certainly one that, that led to a, a big, big chance for Spurs. Um, and that one was either sort of instructive from that point of view or it might have just been kind of a bad game in its own right. You know, we, we've seen players have them. I think broadly speaking, in the rest of them, he hasn't necessarily been as prominent. I mean, you can look at the crosses stat for that. Um, but has still not looked like a major weak link defensively. It hasn't looked like too... He hasn't looked too out of place, I suppose. So I think there is certainly an argument that it is a little bit um, overblown, um, like you say, Matt. I mean, I just want to touch on your sort of proposed solution again because um, it was something I wanted to revisit later, but we may as well discuss it now, seeing as you've mentioned it there. Um, so would your idea be, in terms of how to evolve the system, how to get the best out of the players within it, would you try then to basically, almost we've seen Fabinho play as a centre-back before, would you sort of drop him into that back line? Because we've seen repeatedly Kanata is, is able to defend the, the wide areas quite well, which is obviously what his role would be. But then I suppose you would maybe be asking Van Dyke to do that on the left side to, to provide that cover. Um, although as well, obviously, you know, the midfielders can contribute to that too. So so it is obviously sort of quite difficult to predict, but what's your kind of um, proposal to get the best out of the, the key players? I guess in terms of, of the key players, it's not massively dissimilar to what we kind of typically think of with a 4-3-3, Trent and Robertson being the fullbacks providing the width. I don't see a massive need to change Robertson's position. I think for certain games, I don't see a massive need for, for Trent. I think there will be you know, certain teams that have had all summer to look at what Liverpool did at the back end of last season. We'll look at that and think, you know, if we can put two players on Trent in the middle, suddenly you, you, know, you might say to your winger, just go and, and sit in the space that he's left. There might be certain bits where Liverpool have to, to pick and choose the, the moments for, for doing that sort of thing. But I think the way that, that I would settle would be to, to have Trent basically as a fullback who moves inside. But then, obviously, the midfield is going to be significantly changed. The way that I would get the width is probably from that right-hand side, number eight, whether that's Elliot, whether that's you know someone else who comes in. Maybe there's an opportunity for... I don't know, maybe Alexis McAllister can play there. Maybe there's someone else that, that comes in. I think that's where your sort of wide player comes. Obviously, that relationship would be interesting to see how that develops with Mohamed Salah. But that's kind of the, the crux of the changes, really. You're compensating for Trent coming inside by the midfielder coming outside. In terms of the rest of it, I don't think it necessarily has to change that much. I think one of the big things in terms of the, the benefits of, of the change of system and Trent being central was that Fabinho was much improved. And that is still a bit of an issue in the back of my mind. I think that the one thing that I would say would stop me from setting up with Trent further forward and Robertson still giving the licenses, you know, what happens if Fabinho is, is miles off again at the start of next season? Suddenly you're asking him to do a lot when he can't necessarily do that. Um, what if, for example, Van Dijk doesn't get back to those levels again? I think, again, the, the conversation is, around him has been a little bit overblown. I think with, with both of those players, they'll benefit from the summer. I know Van Dijk obviously has, has been away with, with Holland for, for international duty, but he's going to have a few weeks off. He's going to be able to prepare himself properly for, for this season. I think I think those two are, are the key, really. The, the rest of it is, is kind of changes that you can make in an ideal world 
they will make changes in midfield quite how we set up in that position it, it kind of remains to be seen but the key thing for me is that if you've got van dyke gives you a left-sided center back and fabinho in front of him andy robertson then his role is a little bit less defensively you, you've got that kind of extra cover you've got the, the protection there obviously canate is absolutely rapid as well who can sort of get back and, and help in terms of, of covering that you'd like to think with trent and McAllister in midfield they can kind of keep the ball and be a little bit more dominant and not yeah. have to have a bit more of that end-to-end stuff as well so it kind of just it, it makes sense to me that robertson his his best sort of attributes and, and the way that we want him to be playing again it doesn't make sense to kind of limit that role it makes sense to put the rest of the team in a position where you can make the most of that strength again so i think that's that's kind of how i would set up it's it's kind of a, a halfway between what they were doing last season and, and what they did in previous seasons but i do think there is there is a way to get that to balance out properly and, and still get the best of, of both worlds yeah i think in terms of what my sort of ideal system would have been i, I was sort of thinking you know is there a, a scenario where you bring in someone like a benjamin pavard um a yorian timber play them at sort of right back um and then Alexander-Arnold basically does move into midfield permanently. And then you've essentially got that sort of back forward of, let's say, you know, Pavard, um, Canate, Van Dijk, Robertson. And then when Liverpool have the ball, Robertson then pushes up. And then, you know, they sort of tuck into a back three, um, the other three defenders. And I thought that might work quite well. But the point you make there in terms of Trent needing that number eight ahead of him rather than being the number eight himself, um, I saw, I think it was Sam Maguire on Twitter made this point as well. One thing that I didn't really account for is does sort of Trent need that, like you say, that kind of wide runner? Is that what he needs to sort of facilitate him in a way? Um, and that, I suppose, does raise question marks over how viable that system is. Obviously, there's a scenario maybe where Trent sits in a two alongside Fabinho and then you've got McAllister playing as a number 10, for example, which he can do and other midfielders at Liverpool can do as well. But again, maybe to to give Trent the space he needs, you need that sort of wide runner, which you wouldn't necessarily have, especially if you're asking that fullback to um to stay back and, and provide the cover. So it is a really sort of um interesting uh, tactical puzzle, I suppose. And um, it's one that Klopp's obviously going to have to come up with a solution for. But if the solution is simply to redeploy what we did last season, the same template, just with better players, essentially, with... Uh, players who come in in the transfer markets and the, sort of a pre-season behind them. And if Klopp says, hang on, we don't need to make any actual actual fundamental changes to this. We just need to... The ceiling's going to be so much higher and we've honed it a little bit more in, on the training ground and when we've got these new players in. If, if that does happen, then... I mean, there is sort of a, a world where you can see Robertson being a little bit under threat from that. I mean, Liverpool have been linked with... Quite strongly linked with, with Mickey van der Ven. Um, from Wolfsburg, who is a left-sided centre-back, is someone who can play left-back. And every time I think about that deal, I, I just do wonder if he, he would come in as sort of an option as, as a defensive-minded left-back against maybe, maybe certain teams. But um, if that was to happen, I mean, do you think there's any realistic scenario, Matt, essentially where Andy Robertson is left out of, you know, a, a decent chunk of Liverpool's matches next season, or, or do you think that Klopp is one hundred percent going to keep him as that that player who's in there sort of 
you know, 80% of the time as he would be now. I think for next season, I think the position is his really. I mean, Van der Ven is, is the obvious example really. Um, that the information we have is that the Liverpool are looking more left-sided centre-back rather than right-sided in terms of, of what they're going to do this summer. It is you know, on the agenda for them to to look at that. He's kind of the obvious one. There's been a few other names as, as well, but he's kind of the one stylistically. He's got that, that speed and the ability to kind of dribble out from the back and then that sort of stuff that possibly if, if Liverpool were to lose Matip either this summer or next, then you can kind of see a scenario where he brings that. But Think he's only what 22 is he van der ven yeah. i think he's he's still you know very young he's, he's going to take a little bit of time to adapt i think if it was to be him maybe there's a bit more of an argument for that being a longer term plan in terms of mm. they've got to replace like we said before he's, he's 29 andy robertson he's not going to be available for, for liverpool forever it's going to have to be a, a thing that they think about at some point so you know is there something that they could do you know, a 21, 22 year old now for a couple of seasons beds in and eventually takes over from Andy Roberts. And maybe, maybe that's the way that you would look at it. But I, I don't know. It, it, it's a tricky one because with if you're talking left-sided centre-backs who can play in this system as a kind of left-back or a kind of centre-back, it then becomes a little bit murky between are they going to become the new Andy Robertson or are they going to become the new Virgil van Dijk? And, mm-hmm. Liverpool at some point are going to have to, to replace both of, of those players. So I suppose maybe the appeal is that it can kind of become both. If they try this new system and it works, maybe that sort of answers that situation. Mickey van der Ven or whoever it might be becomes the new Robertson. If it doesn't, well, you've got a left-footed player that can play left centre-back for the next you know few seasons. So it, it, it's kind of hard to tell. I can see an argument either way. Um, but for someone like Van der Ven certainly seems to, to make sense and would be the, the right kind of age. I think it's it's got to be it's got to be that kind of Canate type player, but for the left side who can do a bit of left back as well. I think I think that certainly makes sense and that's that's what I'm expecting Liverpool at some point in the next few weeks to, to start looking at. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think Liverpool just have to have to build around Robertson for me. I mean, people talk a lot about ruthlessness and, you know, certain systems not suiting certain players and then maybe they have to go. But we're talking about someone here who, like I said, at the top of the podcast is arguably the best left back in the world. He's got more assists than any defender in Premier League history. And I just think that if you look at the players in this Liverpool system, you would want to build around. I mean... He's not one of them who has started declining yet. Who you think, you know, if Robertson had had a Fabinho season or a Van Dyke season last year, then yeah, maybe we do have that discussion. But I think there was his level hasn't hasn't dropped to any anywhere near that extent. And I think Klopp needs to be sort of devising a template that still lets him sort of be as effective as it, as he possibly can. Um, and if he doesn't, then it just feels like an, an undertapped uh, resource. But it is going to be very, very um, intriguing to see. And I suppose, like like you mentioned earlier, Matt, it will be in those pre-season matches where we get our first glimpse of, of what Klopp is trying to do. Um, and obviously, the, the transfer targets might be instructive as well. But um, one last thing then before we finish. I mean, I literally just thought of it then as you were talking. You mentioned Man City and Arsenal earlier as, as two teams who were using a vaguely similar blueprint to Liverpool. Um and obviously they had huge success with it last season. I mean, 
Liverpool too. I think when they uh, when they implemented the system, what was it? Was it seven wins and, and three draws from those ten games or something like that? Um, really, sort of strong form, like title winning form, and hopefully they can continue that into next season. But just thinking about it, you know, at Arsenal they have Ben White playing at, at right back. He's obviously a centre half. Man City are, are even more extreme with it. They've got sort of nominally Stones and Ake either side of their two centre-backs. Is this a system that can work with, with two full-backs if you put one of them into midfield, especially when both of them are so attack-minded? I think so. Uh, again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before in terms of being quite idealistic about it. In an ideal world, I'd have 11 number 10s and they'd all play nice, pretty patterns and you know, I wouldn't be wouldn't be bothered about all the, the defending and all of that nonsense. But um, yeah, it's, it, it's tricky, isn't it? Because I think... You've got to get that balance right. I think there will, there will at some point, I think, for Arsenal become a bit of a ceiling. And it, it sounds like you're kind of talking about them as having a poor season, or maybe didn't reach the levels of, of Liverpool. And you know, maybe that's fair, maybe that's harsh. It, it's not really for me to say. But I think at some point, Arsenal with Zinchenko and White, I think, will reach a certain point where they can't necessarily get up into the 90s. I think for, for Liverpool mm. to challenge Manchester City, they've got to do something which is a little bit exceptional. It takes a few yeah. risks. It does something a little bit different. I don't think you can do what they do in the same way and hope to come out on top. I think you've got to find a different way of, of doing things. The, the big the big thing really for me with this system and the big reason why I would keep Trent at right back is because effectively you're, you're getting an extra player on the pitch almost it, it's kind of like overloading it in certain areas if you've got Trent who can be a midfielder with the ball and a right back without the ball if you've got to to say Pavard for example in there and Trent is a midfielder not only is it one less player for him to pass to but it's almost like having one less player for Liverpool as a team as an attacking unit and I think you know it's you're asking a lot within you know, two fullbacks bombing on. You're asking a lot of them to do that and the defensive work. Fabinho is is a worry, basically, because you're asking him to do the job of, of two players. Rodri does it brilliantly for Manchester City, but again, I don't think there's loads of players out there who can do that. Canate, mm-hmm. obviously, is doing two in one because he's having to do Trent stuff defensively at times. You know, the, there's lots of, of players within this system where you're kind of asking them to do the job of, of two players to get that advantage. But I think... You know, when you're coming up against a team which, if it wants to, can get 100 points, I think you've got to kind of do something exceptional. You've got to try and, and do something a little bit more. And I think that's that's the way that I would be looking at it. But whether whether that works in practice, it, it's easy for me to sit here and have a, a nice idea in my head of, of how all of these players are going to mesh themselves together. But as you say, I think we'll get a decent idea of where Liverpool are heading in pre-season. And, you know, they've, they've done it before. It, it, it wouldn't be that dissimilar. I don't think to, you know, when Liverpool were winning the league or the Champions League, to have the two fullbacks bombing on and to ask a lot of Fabinho and Van Dijk is, is something they've done before. They've just not necessarily done it after a season where neither of them has looked anywhere near mm. the league. So that that's the big question mark for me. It's asking a lot, but that's probably the way that I would go about it. I think. Yeah, for Klopp, it's it's really sort of a defining tactical um, test, I suppose. You know. He could well just was keep what he's done already, like I said earlier, but it, the tweaks are what's going to be the difference. I mean, we know the fine margins. Liverpool know that, I think, better than better than any team ever, I suppose. 
make the difference, especially when you, you're trying to go up against Manchester City at least. So um, we'll see how he approaches it anyway. But yeah, that will about wrap us up for this episode. We'll be back uh, next week to look at another one of Liverpool's defensive issues because as we've sort of established, I suppose, in this podcast, there are sort of a lot of... Um, there's a lot more uncertainty there than you probably would have thought um, when you're looking at that department about 12 months ago. So yeah, much to get our teeth into on that one. But thanks very much, Matt. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. And yeah, we will see you next week. So goodbye. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.